This is conversations about Eastern Europe. However, today I won't do a conversation. Instead, I will do a reaction episode. So, yeah, what what will I uh, then talk about today? What what I in general what I what I will be reacting to is the Ukrainian counteroffensive and everything that uh, surrounds that in terms of uh, political developments. And then I will talk. Uh, I will talk a bit about what makes me qualified to do this and what my general attitude is towards Western following where we are as of now militarily and what I think needs to be realized and needs to be done by the West and then maybe in the end talk a bit about what you can do as an individual. Yeah, so um, what makes me qualified is where I will start and I'll just include the yeah, some of my academic accolades, <laughs> you can say it like that, and uh, and uh, a bit of what I've been saying and how that have played out uh, throughout the war. Um, so I did my gala assignment in high school about the maiden uh, slash revolution of dignity in the winter of 2013-14 in Ukraine, of course, um, most prevalent, most uh, prominently in Kiev, the capital, but also in the re- rest of Ukraine. And to me, that was um, uh, to me. It seems as if. This revolution is um, perhaps the most important uh, participating event of the of the full scale invasion. Of course, there has been the war in um, in Donbass, which the full scale invasion is an escalation of. But what went before that was the the events in Ukraine in 2013-14, the winter 2013-14, and I wrote about that in high school. Uh, besides that, I also did my bachelor in political science writing about the war in Ukraine. Yes, so yes, so, so my finishing um, assignment, which is called the bachelor, um, was about the war in uh, Ukraine. So that is is the yet yeah, basically the the assignment that kind of says your bachelor is now done. Uh, you have a bachelor in political science. Um, yeah, so what gave me that was my paper about the war in Ukraine. So that was a very large, uh, very large assignment. And that gives me um, at least, and, and besides that, I've been writing uh, many times about foreign policy, international politics. That has always been uh, the center of my attention, of my attention um, academically. So, so that gives me yeah, some, some ground to, to talk about this. And then besides that, I think, generally speaking, before the war and throughout the war, the predictions that I've been making have actually been more accurate than what Western intelligence agencies have been predicting and also what many pretty uh, respected experts have been uh, predicting. I'm not speaking about all experts here, but um, just some of the experts that, for example, in Denmark were on TV and have been on TV. Um, yeah, so so that's why I think that I'm actually qualified, and why everybody should just listen to me. <laughs> but that's easy to say, of course. But uh, that is how everybody who is politically, um, who is thinking politically, uh, in the end thinks. That is at least my, um, yeah, my attitude towards um, such questions. That if you are politically invested in something, it's because you think you're right, and that other people should um, should listen to you. To you. Um, so of course, I think that as well. Um, but let me uh, speak a bit about first um, my general attitude towards Western following with regards to the Ukrainian counteroffensive. 
So where should I start here? Um, I think there is a problem when we look at the um, how can how can you say like like the comments as the Ukrainian counteroffensive um, has has played out um, in 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 front of our eyes. So so what a lot of people said um, going in to the Ukrainian counteroffensive was that they think that um the, i'm here i'm talking about experts and politicians especially and the, the what what i see as, as the general attitude in media so 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 i think that um the problem is that back in september last year we saw what happened in Kazan, which was a very quick um counteroffensive where ukraine Yeah, conquered um, a lot of territory in a very short time, and and I think that that sort of how can you say it? It made it it paved way for this idea that if we just give the Ukrainians some tanks and some uh, anti missile systems and some long range long range long range weapons. Like if we step up, if we escalate that support to Ukraine, then they should be able to basically, yeah, um, have a very successful counteroffensive. And now, what has happened is not uh, it, the Ukrainian counteroffensive is not moving as fast and as vigorously as one could might have um, expected. But the problem is that then we see a lot of people now coming out and saying uh, basically um, putting forward um, yeah, some fears and they start uh, and, and dwindle a bit when they talk about the things that have not happened in this counteroffensive. So there is, um, to me, it's, it seems a bit as, as if people are not happy with this counter offensive because they don't see the same development uh, that they did in Kherson last year but but the problem is that the same people that are not happy with how this counter offensive is moving that don't think it goes fast enough and so on are also the same people who always dwindle and shy away when talking about increased weaponry support to to Ukraine so In a sense, what is actually the biggest problem for the Ukrainian counteroffensive, which is, according to me, the lack of, like, um, the, the lack of the, um, the, the lack of the necessary um, military weaponry support. The, the the same people who is causing that uh, lack of support by taking uh, the discourse into a wrong direction are also the same people complaining about why the Ukrainian counteroffensive has not been more successful and what they then do is that they will say oh but the Ukrainian counteroffensive wasn't as successful as we thought it would be therefore we should be weary, weary when um, talking about sending more weapons to Ukraine and then when um, the next counteroffensive or something like that also um, doesn't play uh, out according to their um, unrealistic expectations. They will again say, 
ah, but we should think about not saying this and this and this, where, where it actually, again, will just be um, the direction in which they pull the, the debate about how much we should send to Ukraine. That is, it is, that is the biggest problem for Ukraine not to um, regain more territory, which was also what I said in um, my, um, you know, like, sort of a prediction uh, episode going into um, the Ukrainian counteroffensive. Um, as we all talked about it um, before the yeah in in the end of the spring before the summer, um, so 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 I think that is a huge problem in the in the way that um, Western analysis and politicians and some media are following the war. They said uh, based upon earlier experience, they have they set up too big expectations. How and while setting up these expectations, they are also sometimes the same people that are not willing to give the weaponry support that is needed if their expectations are actually to be met. And then after seeing that um, Ukraine did not fulfill these unrealistic expectations, they then start to um, to talk in uh, in lines that is uh, should just towards sending less weapons to Ukraine because we should have fears of doing that because it doesn't seem as if Ukraine is, um, is winning. Um, the truth is that um, the problem is that um, it is only to them that it doesn't uh, seem like that. And it is actually also uh, because of themselves that it doesn't seem like that because of their unrealistic expectations and the fact that their attitude is um, yeah, pulling the, the continuum um, upon which our weaponry support politically to Ukraine is decided they're putting that in um, in a wrong direction um so 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 i guess what i'm trying to say is that while i think it is completely all right to follow the war and also as an expert of course i just think that um yeah that both experts politicians and media should be a bit more attentive towards how what they are saying is also um affecting the amount of weaponry support that we will um, grant to ukraine the question is if whether or not if whether or not they are already uh, aware of this. Um, I I don't know, but but I think the problem is that um, when we set up unrealistic expectations based upon nothing else but um, yeah, the, based upon pretty um, yeah I, I would say um, hopeful or like um, how how can you say it because i think some of these expectations uh, i just don't know where they uh, where they came from because what i've learned throughout following this war and what i also think that i already knew before was that in a war like this it is very difficult to predict what is going to happen because there is so many influencing factors deciding what is going to happen so for example we saw the mutiny of wagner did anybody expect that not to be, uh, yeah, uh, in Danish we have this uh, expression called, um, it's a, ah, uh, why don't I forget it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's basically called uh, like ananas in your own juice. Uh, so it's when you uh, pick out something that you said um, or did that, um, yeah, lift you. Um, but but that has been uh, my, my, um, my way of um, following this war and um, talking about it is that I always take into account the fact that there are endlessly 
factors um, driving the development and um, yeah the, the yeah the, the Wagner mutiny which is what I was talking about uh, I was losing the words a bit there but uh, yeah um, my point about the Wagner mutiny uh, is that I actually did say uh, and have said repeatedly that something like that can happen in Russia because of the way that um, that the war is um, playing out and the, the way that the, the Russians are reacting towards it and the, the impact that it is having on the Russian society um, but but nobody was um, was seeing that coming, and um, that completely changed. Um, yeah, the how can you say it? Um, the 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 criteria for the fighting, at least for a while, in uh, in Ukraine, because um, then uh, yeah, like uh, a lot of soldiers were suddenly out of Ukraine, not anymore there to uh, to support the, the Russian effort, and things like that can just happen, and it doesn't have to be Wagner necessarily. It can also just be, yeah, things in the Russian military that we that we just don't know about. Um, so, so there is so many things, but to me, the most concrete um, influencing factor, and when I say concrete, I mean it in the sense of what can we look at and say this can be changed pretty easily. Um, to to me, that is um, the Western support, and and that is why I think it is. Um, Worrying that the way that uh, many people is um, like many deciding voices in the debate is following this is um, is in a way in which they don't. It seems, at least to me, they don't take into consideration the um, yeah the, the case for for why we support Ukraine and why we should give Ukraine more weapons. It's not to say that you should be completely blind in your um, analysis, but but we should should be more self aware. I think about the fact that we are actually. In the West, the ones that can um, change our attitudes and actions towards this in a way that can um, really um, be a deciding factor on the outcome, and it can do it very quickly, actually. Um, so, so that uh, were some, uh, yeah, how can you say it? Um, it's just some thoughts um, about why I, uh, I sometimes think the, that Westerners following this um, got it wrong. Uh, has it wrong but um, speaking a bit about where we are as of now uh, militarily um, so I am not a military expert or analytic in any way so so there are people uh, out there you can follow that uh, knows more about this and will um, yeah then that I can also vouch for uh, there's a Danish guy Anders Puk Nielsen if you really want to get into it you can also um, search for Frederik Kegan uh, Kegan which is an um, British uh, analysis and uh, General Hutch I also think is good so there's a lot of people you can follow um, to learn more about this but um, so what I can make of it is that right now Ukraine are conducting counter-offensives in three uh, sectors along the along the front line in uh, in the Luhansk Oblast which is um, very much in the east of Ukraine in the and then in the Donetsk Oblast, which is uh, yeah right uh, left to Luhansk, but also in the east of Ukraine, bordering Russia, and then in the Zaporizhia Oblast as well, which is uh, yeah west of uh, Donetsk. So so Zaporizhia is sort of uh, southeast of Ukraine, but um, Zaporizhia is uh, located directly above the Sea of Azov, and very close to, uh, to very close. Pretty close to uh, to Crimea, Kazan, and other oblasts in between. But um, but basically, Ukraine Ukraine are uh, conducting counteroffensives 
in this uh, frame oblast right now. So they are moving forward in uh, Luhansk, the very east of Ukraine, in uh, Donetsk, also east of Ukraine, but um, a little more south, uh, also um, bordering the Sea of Azov, uh, making um, gains there, and then in the Saporizhia region as well. And according to the Institute for the Study of War, which is a, an American institute, um, the Ukrainians have um, successfully in the yeah just um, in the last week they have um, successfully advanced in Luhansk Oblast and in the Western Zaporizhia Oblast, and that is very good news. Um, and also in the Donetsk Oblast, a city today. Urushen um, was liberated by the yeah, the armed forces of, of Ukraine. And that is not uh, even in one of the oblasts in which the Institute for the Study of War was saying that they were advancing. Um, so, so yeah, that's... Um, and that that's the, the capture... The liberation of that city is um, something that I can see on uh, Twitter and so on. Um, that really means a lot to um, to a lot of Ukrainians and really um, boosts their uh, motivation. So, so what I want to say with uh, this, and this is uh, it's gonna sound a bit um, forced, but um, yeah, actually, uh, over the last few weeks and especially this week and the last few days, the Ukrainian counteroffensive is actually getting on the way. So they are starting to see progress. They are moving way closer to the Sea of Azov. They are closer to splitting the the, yeah, the, 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 the land bridge, as they call it, um, from Crimea to, um, yeah, to, to the Donetsk Oblast um, to Russia. Um, so, so there are successful uh, developments in that front. And yeah, to also take um, the, the other side of it, um, that is, it is very good that we're seeing this now because yeah, the, the Ukrainian counteroffensive throughout the summer was not as successful as also some Ukrainians hoped that it would be. Um, so it is very positive that we are seeing this uh, development now. Uh, as I understand it, the problem, especially in Saporizhia and Kherson, which is um, where, um, yeah, where where the Ukrainians really want to get through because that will also open up the question of Crimea. The The problem is that there are very thick layers of Russian um, yeah, defense, uh, like uh, mines, trenches, um, and so on. So, so they have to like fight through a lot of layers, which is very uh, costful in terms of um, lives and so on. And so, so, so that is one of the um, biggest problems, especially in the in the south. But it will be very interesting to see uh, how the how the fronts, um, yeah, get get along, and not get along. Um, how how like they they develop, especially in um, in Luhansk and and Donetsk. And I'm sorry if um, yeah, my my knowledge here of. Um, <laughs> My level of uh, speaking Ukraine uh, pronunciations and so on, and my uh, knowledge of Ukraine, which is a very vast country, um, sometimes is a bit um, challenged. But I think it's also important in this regard to say that um, I am not a military expert, and in general, I think these um, analysis of where the war is at on the ground, um, while they can be very good if they provide people with um, knowledge and. Yeah, if they um if their rhetoric uh, are, are, are in a way 
that will um, make pe- people more um, able to to help Ukraine because um, what I said is something that can be used to that point. Um, I think that's very good, and I think the, the people that I'm following are doing it in that way, and so that's good. But but in general, I think that um, predictions, analysis, and so on. Um, Politically are just not that useful uh, because they don't help Ukraine unless they are done in a way in which you can feel that the person who is the deliver, uh, yeah, the, yeah, like the deliver of the message is also uh, thinking about what he or her is uh, saying um, with regards to how it can um, be used and understood with um, relation to the yeah to the Ukrainian um, defense war. So, so, so that's also why I don't want to um, yeah, go completely into the like nitty gritty and the, the detailed stuff here. Uh, it's not yet just that I, um, yeah, I cannot speak about it because I'm not a, a war expert, military analytic. analytic. Um, it's also because I don't think it's that fruitful. And since the purpose of my conversation series of my political activism for Ukraine has always been to help Ukraine, I would rather um, always keep my focus on where I think the political flaws are in order to help Ukraine in the West. And that will also be um, the next thing I will talk about, which is what needs to be realized in the West and what needs to be done. So, so I think that what we need to realize is that if we want to get an outcome of this war that is both morally and strategically good for us in the West, we have to help Ukraine more. We have to elevate the status that the war in Ukraine has on the political agenda in the West because following this and talking to people that are also yeah very um, <laughs> working directly with this, um, both politicians and military analytics um, what I realize is that the amount of our support to Ukraine is also based upon like like not just the amount also the the speed of it is very much based upon what place this struggle has in the political gender in the minds of politicians in the West and especially leaders um, so that um, yeah if, um, if Joe Biden isn't where we focused uh, upon this, that will also um, make it so that his administration will not have the war in Ukraine as high on their agenda as I think that they should. So it, it really gets uh, like down to, to everyday politics here, but, but this is how it works. So if the White House, White House administration goes to work and get a brief about the war in Ukraine, for example, I think where we are right now is that sometimes they sort of go, oh, yeah, but um, can we maybe just talk about sending this uh, weaponry system tomorrow? Uh, like, I cannot really think about it right now. We also have to uh, to talk a bit about some other uh, things and so on. Um, so, so yeah, let's let's maybe talk about that. And, uh, we, went, we, may, we actually think we want to send it, but let's talk about it uh, another day. And um, in that way, they just postpone taking decisions and and I know it um it maybe sounds a bit absurd when I'm talking about it like this but but this is how poli- politics works on um, like a national scale so there is only 
as much room for action as there is room for focus. So so that when this um, and they, we are doing a lot of course, and I'm very glad about that. Um, no question, no questions there. But but I think the problem is that right now the war in Ukraine doesn't take the position in the political agenda of um, a lot of uh, countries in the West, especially the United States. Um, that it should, if we wanted to make sure that Ukraine gets a decisive victory soon rather than later. So, so I think we need to realize that, and of that realization, I think what we need to do will be done, which is to increase our weaponry support to Ukraine, so that they will actually be able to conduct this counteroffensive in a way in which they don't have to sacrifice as many lives as they're doing right now. And yeah, this this leads me perfectly onto the last point of today which is what um, what you can do as an individual if you want to take an active part in the struggle for ukrainian freedom first of all if you're listening to this you can write to me then um, then i will uh, help you get started if um, if you think that that's too uh, i just want to get started by this i think you need to to make up with yourself what is the Ukrainian struggle, what is it that they are fighting for, and uh, why is it so so important. And and then I think when you are realized, which, okay, so, so I think, I think it like this, if you want to help, but you don't know how to do it, what you first need to do is to make sure that you understand why it is that you want to help and that is by answering these questions that I just um, yeah, that I just put out there there before. So what is it that Ukraine is fighting for? Why is it that it is strategically important for the West? And why is it that it... So this is going to sound a bit rough, but I think that people should actually have a moral imperative to um, to take part in this struggle. Um, so, so I think that, that, that the fact that you have that will also be something to realize when you... Um, really invest yourself into helping and then concretely and um, that's where it gets a bit difficult because this is not really a, a subject that, that like is is how can you say it it doesn't have as many NGOs as um, someone working for just human rights in general we, we doesn't we don't have as many um, like party political parties um, wholeheartedly putting their uh, focus on this but what you can do is to keep talking about it, to write about it on your social media platforms, and then to to just always be be aware of if whether or not there are events around your city or community that can um, that 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 is is an event for Ukraine. You can also, if you really want to get into it, see if you can arrange some events yourself. Um, and you can start doing uh, stuff that like like what I'm doing, um, but I really would like it if um, you would reach out, uh, yeah, reach out to me as well, um, because what I want to do also is to see if it um, if it is possible to like um, start um, gathering uh, some people, and then to see if um, we can structure um, the way that we are yeah taking part in this struggle, but yeah. 
participate in your uh, own community whenever uh, there is a possibility to um, participate in an ev- in an event which is focusing on Ukraine. Make more donations. Be active about it on your social media. Reach out, reach out, reach out to other people you see that is also uh, supporting Ukraine. So those will be my last last words for today in this um, reaction episode. Um, Slava Ukraini, and as I said in my first prediction, uh, or like my first Slava Ukraini episode before the war, the West only has itself to thank for all the territory that Ukraine is not gaining back because of the lack of weaponry support that we are, uh, are giving Ukraine. And also because of the the lack of an actual uh, deterrent uh, response before the war even happened, so so yeah, um, the West is to according to me at least we are the ones to. Um, how can you say it? Yeah. So when I say we are the ones to blame for that, I mean among all the actors that are supporting Ukraine, I think the West, this being United States, Great Britain. NATO and the EU, I think we are the group that is most responsible because we have the biggest moral responsibility uh, with regards to the one Ukraine and we have the biggest strategic responsibility. And we could have, according to me, provided Ukraine with um, assistance sufficiently to, uh, like sufficient to to have liberated their territory by now. I know that sounds easy, easy when I just say it like this, but I really do think that is the case. So... All the weeks where Ukraine is not regaining the territory that we hope they will regain as fast as possible, the longer it takes, um, yeah, the, the more we are to blame actually for for not stepping up. Yeah, so uh, so so that will be the last word, the last words. So Slava Ukraini, uh, never give up and keep fighting. And to everyone following, like me, that wants to participate more, just do it, just do it, just do it. Hey!